When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Well, we've just seen the Commonwealth Esports Championship in Birmingham. New Zealand were there. They had a presence. And joining us now here on ESCNZ is Jonathan Jansen, the CEO of the New Zealand Esports Federation. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks to uh, thanks for giving us a call and, and being on the show today. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is the inclusion uh, for esports as a like a demonstration sport uh, away from the main games. Now that's all wrapped up, and you've got some late nights uh, behind you. What have been like your overall impressions of the esports championship there? Uh, look, honestly, going into this, I think it delivered exactly what we expected. Um, was that we've sort of known in the esports world that this hasn't been our pinnacle event. Like esports has grown up in the world of entertainment. And it's lived in a world with millions of eyeballs and these massive shows and, and crazy big salaries. But this was the first time for esports to kind of lean more into the sports world and represent your country, not a pro team or a franchise, and kind of have some national pride behind it. And we wanted to see, like, we, we thought that it would hit differently, like it would feel different to represent your country. And I think that's really what this event has proven, is that, you know, you see players on stage, you know, crying and, and they just get emotional because they've done something really phenomenal in, in representing their country. And so it, it has really resonated, I think, with the players as well as their communities and their parents. And so, yeah, we're really, we're really proud with how our team did and how the event was received overall. Awesome. I mean, New Zealand, you know, would have a much smaller player pool compared to some of the other countries that were taking part. Did the E-Blacks have any level of expectation going into this tournament? Um. It's hard because, you know, we do have a smaller player pool, um, but we, 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 we get some fairly good level of competition versus Australia. But because something like this hasn't happened before, you know, it, it was really hard for us to determine, like, do we stand a chance against England? Do we stand a chance against Malaysia? Um, because it's very rare in the esports world to first a whole country like that. So I think the teams knew that, you know, they were going to get some good experience. I don't know if they know how well they were going to do. Um, but we were really proud of how they did. Like JMK King, uh, who was our eFootball representative, he went over to compete in a FIFA event in Denmark prior to the games, then went and boot camped in France uh, for about a week and a half beforehand, and he did phenomenally. Like there was, there was one moment that could have been the difference between him making potentially a gold medal appearance, silver gold medal appearance, and just not making it through pools. And so, you know, we were, we were really stoked how they performed. How do you feel the uh, the E Blacks handled that pressure of representing their country in you know a historical event like this? Like you talk about how you know this isn't necessarily the pinnacle event for esports, and it, it, like you said, it hits completely different. It's a different vibe. But yeah, how do you think they handled it? 
uh, from what I've heard, like I wasn't on the ground, unfortunately. Um, but I think they, they probably did well. It's hard to tell because the results didn't show through. Like we, we probably would have seen a couple of results to go on slightly differently. To give you an example, um, JMK King, our football player again, his, his final pool match was against Wales, who was top of the table. And Wales went through to win the bronze medal match and only just lost to Malaysia, who won the gold medal in penalties. And so incredibly even skill across the board. And JMK King actually had two or three opportunities. He won the first game best of three, and he had two or three opportunities to like very, very concisely close out the game. It just didn't go his way. And so I think during the pressure... Maybe the stage got to him, you know. Maybe, maybe that whole high high pressure environment ended up making the difference on the day. But still happy with how they performed. Uh, you mentioned JMK King, also New Zealand. The E Blacks had the Dota team over as over there as well. They made it through to the bronze medal match, uh, going down to India. I actually saw the replay of that on Sky Sport, which is pretty cool to kind of get that level of exposure in itself. But what was the road like for them to get there to that bronze medal match? Yeah, so, I mean, we started our campaign earlier in the year for the whole Commonwealth run-up. Um, so these guys, the, the cool thing about esports is that you could literally have a team of, of, of mates across from anywhere, and it's not like a selection process. We don't pick the best players from various teams and make a super team. This team came up all the way through from the grassroots level. Um, so we they ended up qualifying for New Zealand. We versed Australia. Um, we went through to the Commonwealth representing New Zealand because Oceania only had one slot uh, unfortunately, one of their pool games played out. They played Malaysia in the pool matches, who ended up walking away with the gold medal. And so they lost to, obviously, Malaysia in that sense. They versed England in the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, that was a closer game. They lost that as well. England took the silver medal in the end, and then their final game was against India. Incredibly close. Um, it was a best of three. They almost took one of the games, but they ended up losing that 2-0. They were really well prepared. Um, but unfortunately, it's just one of those things that on the day they didn't quite come across. Going into something like the Commonwealth tournament there for these esports athletes, what kind of support did the uh, NZESF provide them? So we've actually um, been working pretty closely with Sport New Zealand and High Performance Sport New Zealand specifically on this, because I think one of the things that um, you know maybe general listeners don't realize is that we don't view esports as gaming as the same thing. In the same way that, you know, going to the beach with your mates and throwing a ball around doesn't make you a rugby player. You know, going home and jumping on the, on the console doesn't make you an eSport athlete. And so when these guys are preparing for their event, um, it means, you know, watching their nutrition, watching their sleep patterns, um, how to, to, to have your mind in the best condition. Because basically, traditionally, the Commonwealth Games or the Olympics is about, you know, how can we find finding the people finding the maximum human potential, like the physical human potential, how far can we push the body? And I think the introduction of esports is, is such an interesting concept because it's how far can we push the human mind? Um, and so to have the fastest, sharpest, most focused mind, the physical well-being is a pretty important aspect to that. And so they are focusing on what they're eating, how they're training. Um, there's obviously the game knowledge and the actual improvement, the mechanical improvements for the game itself. But a big part of it was their physical health. And so we had support from High Performance Sport New Zealand on life coaches, nutrition, um, all those things I mentioned earlier, to try and give them the best chance possible. And I think we were probably one of the countries, the few countries that had the, the support to do that. And so they were, they were pretty well prepared going in, but you know, we're a smaller... Pr- talent pool like you mentioned earlier 
um, I think we've got potential to do well in the future. So you're getting, uh, you know, the athletes are getting a lot of support there. Uh, I mean, the competition didn't go the way that you were probably hoping for this time around, but what needs to be done, do you think, for the E-Blacks to close that gap with some of these other countries that you're up against? It's a really interesting question. I think it's something that, that we're still kind of exploring to see what exactly it means to be a high performance, like what does high performance esports look like? Um, some countries who are really far ahead just have massive amounts of people, massive t- talent pools, and they kind of um, you know, have those, those once in a generation superstars. I think for us, it's learning around how do we break down the stigma? How do we make it more part of our culture? Like we have a, a wildly successful high school league, for example. So we have over 250 secondary school teams competing in esports every weekend. Um, and how do we help grow that talent and nurture them through to the higher levels of play? And I think if we can do that and we can develop that more over the years and build more of a culture around it, we might start seeing some, some, you know, really fantastic results. I mean, I'm ecstatic that we even got to a bronze medal match (laughs) and I'm so stoked with how our e-football player, um, performed because I think, you know, he had a world-class performance. And people are talking about us. People globally, people look at New Zealand and go, "Wow, like that's a we are a well-developed, defined team with a good strategy." And so, I'm really proud with how the players went. You brought up the whole the high school uh, participation in the leagues there. Since you know it's inclusion as a demo sport for these com games, I mean, I sort of a two part question here. Have you seen a greater interest from you know kids and parents alike about getting involved? And on the other side of that, how? accessible is esports in New Zealand right now? So I think um, the first part in terms of involvement, yes, we've seen more people getting involved. We're, we're seeing massive growth, you know, year on year in terms of esports as it's becoming more accepted. And I think this was a pinnacle turning point or sort of a critical turning point um, for parents to understand like, what is it exactly, you know, my kids are doing? And, and how does it benefit them? And is it a real thing? This adds a lot of credibility to that, to that argument. Um, and so, yes, it's, it's progress. It's increasing participation. And that's awesome. Your second question was about, uh, my second question was about just how accessible is esports in New Zealand right now? I mean, you have, you know, high school leagues and stuff, but you know, say a kid saw, you know, the, the Dota team or saw JMK, uh, King perform or play, you know, how accessible is the sport? Like, can they just jump in and join a club? Yeah, it's, it's becoming more accessible, um, but there's always going to be that technology barrier. So we're super lucky in New Zealand because we have phenomenal internet infrastructure, right? Like most places in New Zealand, you can get fiber, you can connect low latency and you can play, you, you can play high, you know, high fidelity esports. Um, so we only have the problem of hardware and, you know, do you need a PS5? Do you need a, a high-spec computer? Thankfully, we have a lot of schools. We have a lot of local libraries, communities, councils who are getting on board and are creating these gaming spaces for kids to go because they realize that esports and gaming and education actually go hand in hand. Um, in the future, we're wanting to do things with you know basketball clubs, motorsport clubs, football clubs. And so you might better compete with your regional football club physically, but also for their esports team. And you can go to a, you know, the, the football club and actually use their facilities to compete on. And so I think as this keeps progressing, the accessibility gap is going to you know, get, get uh, smaller and smaller. Yeah, and we're seeing esports, you know, in the future become a legitimate career for Kiwi kids that see themselves, you know, as an e-athlete. Uh, what about on the coaching side of things? Are there opportunities there as well? 
Yeah, but I mean, there's a, there's a huge industry around esports itself. Like the players are, are one item and there's so many things around it, like coaching, team managers, there's production, director, um, there's probably 20 or 30 careers around around esports in, in general. Um, in terms of coaching, thanks to your high performance sport New Zealand again, we have a couple of coaches going through some more in-depth program, coaching programs and learning how they can kind of apply traditional coaching um, theories or, or, or practices to esports. And so as we develop that skill set out, you know, we're hoping we can start to develop coaches in schools, team managers, into clubs, um, and grow that kind of whole industry itself in New Zealand. And that's kind of what, what our goals are. So yeah, there's, there's definitely going to be a lot of opportunities around there and it's not a crazy future state. I think, you know, we have Kiwi athletes right now who are earning mega bucks overseas in esports. Um, and I'd love to see that kind of replicated through the, the referees and the coaching and the team manager roles as well. Now we've seen, uh, the CEO for the 2026 Victoria games, mentioned that they haven't received a formal uh, expression of interest yet from the Global Esports Federation. Do you think that's going to come? I'm optimistic. I'm positive. I'm, I feel it. I'd like to see it coming, but obviously I don't know anything that you don't either um, in terms of that. I think the formal request has to come through. We, we kind of, we had a flag in the sand of saying, you know, the 2032 Olympics might be where we see esports in the Olympic schedule. Um, you know, I think that we showed a successful showing at these Commonwealth Games uh, as a pilot event for the 2026 Commonwealth event. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it came through. You know, I'm feeling good about it. But until until the letter crosses the desk, you know, we don't know. Now, this is going to be the uh, gamer in me coming out. If this is an avenue for esports to go down, I was thinking about this and I, I liken it to, you know, swimming or athletics where you've got this overarching sport and then within it, you've got all these different disciplines. So what do, what do you think of some video games that would make a great esports discipline for the Com games? Uh, I think that's what they tried to really uh, test this time around because they had, you know, eFootball, which is easy to watch for everyone. It's just, you know, it's football. If you've got bad eyes, you probably wouldn't even know the difference. Um, you got Rocket League, which is your cars playing football. Again, really easy for a, a non-gamer person to watch and absorb. And then you've got, uh, we had Dota, which is, if you don't know how Dota works, good luck trying to pick it up if you're a viewer who's never seen it before. And so I think these insights were kind of really useful for them to determine what might be successful in future com game formats. Um, I'd say there's always going to be those traditional sports simulator games like football or a basketball game or something similar. Um, I'd love to see some of the more really wildly popular esports titles come out there like League of Legends or Valorant. Because from an audience point of view, you know, if you've got a game with 180 million monthly players, you know, if that's a country, that's like the eighth largest country in the world. It's just an insane amount of people. I think if you had a tournament around that type of title, it would be, you know, success on a whole new level. Could you see, and you mentioned Valorant, I'm just sort of thinking, you know, a lot of people play shooting games. Could you see something like, like a Halo or maybe something a little more left field, like a Splatoon make it? I, I think so. Like, I think obviously CSGO probably doesn't have much chance and just it's just not suitable for those types of audiences. But I think, the, you know, sh the shooter game genre in esports is massive. And so being able to fit one of those in, I think would be fantastic. Valorant, Halo um, are definitely options. Uh, 
yeah, I think it'll get there. I'm not sure if it'll be in the first get in the first cycle. I don't know if it'll make 26, but I think eventually we'll see those types of games in there because it's a whole different level of skill expression. You know, when you look at esports strategy games, you know, might take a whole different skill set. Or fighting games, you know, you have gamers who are literally able to count frames almost on a on a, on a monitor. 60 frames per second is how many pictures your screen shows. And if these guys know that a jab is six frames and they can you know counter in four frames, think about how fast your brain is working. And so that skill set is almost completely different to a, a shooter game skill set. And so I'd love to see, you know, I think eventually they'd have to bring it in, just how they do it, I'm sure. You talk about, you know, the inclusion of something like eFootball because people recognize it. It's just, it's soccer, but in digital form. What about uh, like racing games, you know, like Forza or Gran Turismo or something like that? Do you think there's the uh, possibility that something like that could be included in the future? I think it's definitely interesting. Like we, we run, um, we've got the Monaco world cup coming up in October. Um, where we have any black, you know, representing New Zealand in. And so those events kind of are out there, but I think it becomes kind of interesting to say, you know, if motorsports not in the Commonwealth does esport motorsport make it there first. <laughs> and so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think it's definitely possible. Um, but, I'm not sure if that, uh, you know, when it will cross the line. Uh, just lastly from me, uh, what, you know, seeing the highlights uh, from the Dota team on, on Sky sort of got me thinking, have you been working with, you know, major broadcasters in New Zealand to try get esports tournaments uh, in front of more people that might not be aware of, you know, going to places like Twitch or YouTube to follow esports? Yeah, so our, our eBlack campaign all the way through has been broadcast um, all the major matches to Sky TV. And so we had Sky Sport, um, I think most recently on Sky Sport 1. And so they've been a, a massive um, advocate for helping us, you know, share esports to the community. We'd love to get it, you know, onto, onto other stations as well, onto free-to-air TV, through linear. Um, but it, it's definitely a growing sector. So we're focusing right now on New Zealand growing the grassroots. And a lot of the grassroots do understand, you know, Twitch and YouTube. And we want to kind of be true to the community first. Um, and so that means how do we create more events? How do we create better events, better shows, um, and really lift people up, uh, in that space. And that happens through, you know, Twitch and YouTube, but absolutely, you know, love to see Sky getting in, on board and involved. We have an eBlacks documentary coming out later in the year through loading docs, um, who have been following the story as well. And so we are getting, um, a decent amount of sort of traditional media coverage. That's awesome. Uh, and, you know, for anyone who's just kind of clicking onto it now and just seeing esports for the first time, but they want to learn more, where can they go, Jonathan? So number one place to go is uh, the New Zealand esports website. So esf.nz, whether you're a parent, um, whether you're a coach, whether you want to get involved and start competing yourself or even just volunteer, see what events are coming up. Um, all of that information is available on our website, uh, which is esf.nz. Love you know you to be involved. If you're feeling real dangerous, maybe you want to join the Discord um, and step out of your comfort zone. We have a Discord as well with lots of um, community members involved. And so, yeah, let's get involved, see what it's about. I may have uh, just done that myself the other day, actually. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Jansen, uh, CEO of New Zealand Esports Federation, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.